overlooked pop culture. You are listening to the next report. And it is President's Day, and you're listening to the next report covering Unix and Overlook Pop Culture. Joined with me today is Stephen Kelly and Stephen Tompkins. Yay! <laughs> okay, so I, I, I'm just kind of regretting the whole President's Day not counting for holiday pay where I'm at, but that's okay. Just, I got the day off. I'm with you on that one. Oh. Well, we work for the same company. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the funny funny part is, you know, we won't get holiday pay again until Memorial Day, so that's just, like, bummer. But, um, one of the things that uh, I've noticed, like, President's Day, um, it's kind of like Washington's birthday and, and also commemorates Abraham Lincoln as well. And wanted to take the opportunity to talk about like some very interesting, strange things about basically the presidents you'll find on Mount Rushmore, including Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt. And we already mentioned the other two in passing. Like, what? Which one of the four do you do you think is you find the most intriguing? I always think that Abraham Lincoln for me is the most intriguing, and it's just because of despite. He, the dude has a weird backstory. I mean, you look at uh, the thing that always cracks me up about Lincoln so much that I even have a painting that someone did at home, that, like a it's a print, but of uh, Lincoln was a professional wrestler. A lot of people don't realize that. That always just kind of thro- like throws people for a loop. That you think you know, you know they joked in the movie Idiocracy that President Camacho was a, pr- a professional wrestler, <laughs> but we actually had that at one point. So. <laughs> Oh my god. I remember the exact set of frames that you're talking about in that movie. That's a hilarious movie. In that movie, the guy just sees the president, and I was watching it with a friend, and he was like, and there's the second smartest person in the world. Oh. Oh. But, so the, the, the awkward looking lawyer was a formidable opponent in the ring, apparently. So Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he was six foot four. And when he was younger, apparently, and you know, keep in mind this is when pro wrestling wasn't, you know, the, how it is today. People didn't realize the, the whole purpose of pro wrestling is that they would go to it was like with a circus or some kind of traveling show and they would go from town to town and they would uh basically try to, like, get... They would try to scam people. They would have, uh, like, a big strong guy or something, and they would, you would have them, like, throw a fight or something, basically. That was the entire purpose of pro wrestling. That's why now when people are like, oh, you know, it's fake, right? Which is the most aggravating thing anyone can ever say. It's like, yeah, it's been fake since it started. <laughs> That's the entire point of it. It's oh. just now everyone's in on it. But apparently, Lincoln wrestled, like, something around 300 matches or something. So, wow. So, I mean, he, you know, and it was, uh, he was pretty much their local, like, fighter. I know, like, you can kind of look it up. Um, his uh, most notable match was against a guy named Jack Armstrong. And he was uh, a, a leader of a local gang called the Clary's Grove Boys. And basically, uh, he had to... You know, you never know exactly, like I said, how, how, if this was staged or not, just because of the nature of it, but apparently the only way, reason Lincoln lost 
was because the guy cheated, like he tripped him and some other stuff, and that he got like a bunch of cheap hits in on him. So it's just kind of <laughs> kind of ridiculous. So so he wasn't a vampire hunter, but he actually did grapple in the ring. Definitely. So, according <laughs> to this article, uh, that same match that you're talking about, he got so upset by it, by the cheat that apparently happened, he took the guy and he shook him like a rag. Oh, wow. <laughs> and supposedly, like, uh, him getting tripped is the equivalent of, like, punching a guy in the balls nowadays. You just didn't do that back then. <laughs> so, it was... The fact that he did that kind of stuff was really unsportsmanlike and like probably made a lot of people in the audience pretty mad. So he, he so when you see characters today in pro wrestling playing the roles of an attorney, it really <laughs> isn't all that original. Well, and how's this for a twist? Like, uh, apparently Lincoln had so much respect for Armstrong that they actually became friends. And 25 years later, Armstrong's son was actually on trial for murder, and Lincoln was his uh, defense attorney. <laughs> so, you know, you got <laughs> it's a pro wrestling storyline if I ever heard one right there. You got the, the, the heel turning baby face. <laughs> wow. Call, call, asking his old nemesis for help. That, that's just... just... <laughs> no, no, it's not all, you know, fun and games. When he was president... It was very complicated during the Civil War. Oh, most definitely. Especially in Missouri, it was a giant mess. And he did some things that were very, very controversial. People assumed, oh, he was trying to free the slaves. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case. He was trying to preserve the Union. Yeah, the that whole thing is pretty much people taking it out. Like, the, the th- a lot of people, when they look at the Civil War, they, they overgeneralize the... So, you know, the entire thing was about freeing the slaves, which freeing the slaves, you know, the slave issue was the, you know, the linchpin of the entire thing. But they like to paint Lincoln, I think, as someone where Lincoln was like, these, you know, I need to free the slaves. But Lincoln honestly didn't care that much. It it was politics to him. Well, and another thing, going along this uh, politics, is the events that led up to the Civil War started... 10 to 15 years beforehand. Oh, yeah. And it, was, it wasn't it was just slavery. That was just what it ended up coming out in the uh, history books. It's, it was a lot of uh, population-based thing, like back when to, uh, slaves would count as a uh, third of a person mm-hmm. to increase the population only so those states in the South could get more representation. Well, then you had the whole situation where they wanted to keep slave states and non-slave states even, and then they started adding the southern uh, congressmen would sneak a new slave state in there without offsetting it with a new non-slave state. It was just a bunch of power... Honestly, like, you know, I'm overgeneralizing here, but it's exactly how the government is going right now. So it's just kind of like, yay, thinking about it. Well, I can agree with that. (laughs) It's just... just you know, it's incredible. Those who spoke out against, you know, a lot of the related stuff, we thought, oh, they must be anti-slavery. No, they owned slaves, but they saw what was about to happen. It was a fire, and the whole slavery issue was basically more gasoline on fire. Yeah. And there was already mistrust between the, you know, agriculture-based South and 
mercantile base north with banking and everything else. There's that distrust between the two. And that just, the slavery issue just made it worse. Most definitely. But, uh, either way, I'm just glad that part of our history is behind us, because that just, that was just messed up in an entire mess. It brought up worse than a lot of people. That's why I really worry sometimes when politicians nowadays have a tendency to look back on that time like it was some kind of glory days of some sort. And it's like, no, no matter how you shake it, that was awful. Like, before the Civil War, awful. During the Civil War, awful. The Reconstruction, awful. Like, I don't know why people look back at it and, you know, you get... It's just, it's bizarre to me. <laughs> well, and in some cases you could look at the Reconstruction... Uh, all the way up until about 1877, that it was part of the worst section of that time period because there was so much flashback oh, yeah. from all the all the events that happened from before the Civil War, 10, 15, 20 years before that, all the way up until the Reconstruction started. Well, especially like you look at Missouri, you know, you, know, you, hear, you always hear about a lot of the stuff going on here, but you had, you know, the uh, the whole situation with all of the roving gangs of marauders and everything that came out during Reconstruction. You know, right around here you had the Klan running wild, and you had the bald knobbers, and, you know, that's groups associated with Quantrill and Jesse James. It just got, it was insane. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's one of the things that just gets overlooked. Um, that and the border wars. Yeah. That still goes on. <laughs> Mizzou and the Jayhawks. And you have me who looks at that and goes, I don't care. <laughs> but um, but one of in one of the you know, to give credit where it's due, you had earlier people founding fathers recognizing that this was gonna be a problem, it's except they weren't ready to deal with it, so they decided hopefully future generations can figure this out and that may have been a mistake. Though one of the people who spoke out against it mainly because he was sleeping with one of the slaves, none other than Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a big, big uh, contention there when uh, you had uh, Sally Hemings, basically was his other wife, if you think about it, for the most part. I mean, he had uh, a few kids. Let's see. I can't remember how many children he actually had, but they definitely had some kids. And it's just kind of, <laughs> you know, and it, the, the weird thing was, you know, essentially Jefferson owned Sally Hemings. And it's just kind of like, you look at that and, yeah, six children. So. Kind of crazy. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why he's among the most unique characters, he spoke out against being, you know, certain styles of banking, yet he was in debt constantly himself. Probably, which is why he spoke out against, you know, debt-based financing and everything else, because, well, he was kind of enslaved to it for a good portion of his life. <laughs> and that, that just was not pleasant to deal with, I'm sure. Well, he also wanted the country to be a more agrarian society, and you know a lot of the stuff Jefferson did was completely overruled not shortly 
after he left. So I mean, you had, you know, he he they they were going to go around and split all of the you know the entire country up like in grids, and everybody was going to have a farm plot, and that just did not happen. The Industrial Revolution came in and pretty much flipped that over for the most part. Well, that was probably just about as bad as before. The uh, Constitution took place. We had the Articles of Confederation. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which, which was no different than splitting all the states apart, and each state basically made it almost like a city-state from Greece, mm-hmm. and we're all a fake war. Everybody had their own currency. Everybody had their own uh, capital, and nobody could agree on anything, and it's just, well, I mean, some of that's not changed, but... Well, look at Europe. I mean, <laughs> it's the exact same situation with all those microstates in Europe. But. Another interesting thing that uh, about uh, Thomas Jefferson is when when uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence was drafted, he put a phrase in there, a common phrase that most people know, of life, liberty, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Which was originally in John Locke's Common Sense: Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Property. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. And so, he was a thief. <laughs> Still fits the bill for most politicians nowadays. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I remember that phrase from when I was taking history courses uh, with Dr. Leonard saying that, mentioning life, liberty, property. So, it's, it's very, very interesting how things have come full circle. Now, the other two presidents, um, they were interesting characters in and of their own right. Roosevelt was kind of nuts, kind of crazy. Well, full blown crazy, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, wait, who was the other one we were focusing on? George Washington. Washington, very interesting character. Now, I think we should look at Roosevelt real quick, because I, I remember learning about a group called the Rough Riders, which appeared primarily during the Spanish-American War in Cuba, which, to this day, people still question whether the U.S. actually blew up its own ship and blamed it on Spain. <laughs> but with what was going on with newspapers at the time, anything was possible. Literally anything was possible. Yeah. You provide the pictures, we'll provide the war, something to that effect. Well, there was a big... They were just really itching to go to war at that time, because America was starting to become a world power, and, you know, it just kind of... It was going to happen anyway, and unfortunately the way it happened was that, you know. just kind of like, ah. It, It was an opportunity to basically unite the country, whereas they were still suffering the after-effects of civil war and reconstruction, so... So, yeah. So, like, Roosevelt forms a group called the Rough Riders. They were supposed to be a mounted cavalry, but uh, in Cuba, that wasn't necessarily uh, feasible. No. <laughs> but, ironically, they had the, you know, they had the best artillery, which goes to show, even back then, how horrible the military was actually treated in terms of equipment availability and what have you. Yeah, apparently, Roosevelt was basically like a, a modern-day, or like a, 
he, he's basically, you know, an old-timey adventurer. Like, if you, you think about the kind of stuff he did, from a young age, he was obsessed with being in the military and everything, despite, like, uh, limitations he had. Cause he, and he was, uh, you know, a wealthy child, and, you know, he wanted to be in the military, wanted to go off and fight, and all sorts of other things. And you can tell that that lived on throughout his life, because, you know, with the Rough Riders, and also he went on, like, a ton of... Uh, tropical expeditions down in Brazil and some other places, and he actually ended up. Uh, that's one of the reasons he died, was that he he kept going on so many of his trips. He kept getting like tropical diseases, and uh, you know, all his, eventually they literally had to like carry him around and stuff because he was that out of it. And it was wow. kind of he wanted to keep doing it. He was, you know, he he was the Dostoevsky. Hypnos man in real life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Bromance. I do not know what that is. <laughs> but I, I, I just, I thought that story, that story was very interesting and everything else. But one story that did, you know, I do remember reading about in school was George Washington and that darn cherry tree. <laughs> Like, he's so honest, he said he did it. Did he really chop down a cherry tree? And of course, history points to, well, probably not. <laughs> More folklore and all that. But, um, Washington was a Freemason, as uh, Stephen Tompkins pointed out. Uh, so were many other presidents. Including Theodore Roosevelt. Actually, I have a list up. Uh, I won't list them all, but... It, only two of the ones that we've talked about or are talking about are on this list, and that's George Washington and Theodore Roosevelt. But there's been even more recent presidents who have been involved in Freemasonry, like uh, Harry Truman and Gerald Ford, for example. And, you know, going as, you know, even today, as far as, like, say, George W. Bush and one of his rivals, John Kerry, they were both part of the same secret society at Yale. So it's just just all sorts of unique characters in the Oval Office, just to say the least. Like, but his teeth were not made of wood either, which apparently would have been more comfortable than anything else. Was made of ivory and, and metal and, and things like that. It's just like, oh. Yeah, I believe the hinges were metal and the uh, fake teeth were ivory and they were mounted in some kind of different material. I can't remember exactly. Uh, the lead had something to do with them too, unless that was the hinges. Oh. It just I sounds awful. It just, it, yeah, it just sounds plain awful. <laughs> it sounds like it could lead to many things, including lockjaw and tetanus and anything else that you could think of among gangrene. It's <laughs> uh, wonder he lived to a ripe old age. Yeah. Medicine back then was kind of questionable. <laughs> Drink this tonic, you'll be immortal. Oh, good. Money back guaranteed. Oh. So, absolutely. So, like, out of all of them, like, which ones do you, you think were just among the strangest? Here, here's actually something I just found, so I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. Check this out. 
So Teddy Roosevelt one time was shot in an assassination attempt while delivering a speech in Milwaukee. During the speech, he said, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot. He then continued, I give you my word, I do not care a rap about being shot, not a rap. He then completed the 90-minute speech with the bullet still inside him. Kudos to him. So, that was Roosevelt, everybody. (laughs) Well, I was going to mention that Roosevelt was my... uh, the one I thought found most intriguing, and, well, that doesn't really change it any except for help it. Definitely interesting. (laughs) Wow. So, the military underestimates him vastly, and, and he demonstrates why. I think during... During either World War One or Two, he actually wanted to go and fight, and they're like, "No, you're too old, no," <laughs> or something like that. It's, just, it's probably it was World War One. Uh, yeah, I believe he, it was World War One because his his uh, his four sons were fought in World War One, so he was probably pretty up there in age at that point. Then that, that was just that was just insane. So, like, we have. Two out of three of them being, you know, familiar with actual warfare, and the other, or two out of four, and the other two were more academic than anything else. Yeah. Except for Ray Lincoln, he was like the ultimate warrior in his time. <laughs> so that, that's so taking things away, like from all of this, these four presidents were part of secret societies, and and don't get us wrong. There were other societies and things like that, too, like the Hill Fire Club that Benjamin Franklin attended. He wasn't presidential material by any stretch, but he was among the founders of the country, and he was an interesting character <laughs> and a party animal, apparently. Well, yeah, he basically probably had 900 kids in France, from all we know, <laughs> the way they talk about him. Oh, so, so he was the most interesting man of his time. Well, you know, if he had his way, our national bird would have been the turkey, so just imagine that. I think he wrote a poem about how certain types of illness can be cured if our hearts were made to smell more pleasant. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. No methane could do that. Which, if if you think about it, makes sense in terms of cancer. Colon cancer part of it is stuff got clogged in there, and, well... Yay, cancer. <laughs> the idea being, well, you should force it out a little bit more often. But that just goes to show what is on sense of humor. <laughs> Whatever gets you by, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> so, so, yeah, just the, these four people whose faces are enshrined on Mount Rushmore. Um, Though I would say some people argued that I think the only one that was really, really, tr- you know, truly controversial probably was Lincoln in my view. Um, unique situation and everything else. Some people refer to him as a tyrant. And, in all fairness, war kind of is messy and not always you know, completely organized and orderly. So. Well, and the same could be said about Lincoln, or I mean, uh, Washington. A lot of people uh, either assumed or wanted him to declare himself the king of the United States shortly after the war, so 
I mean, there was definitely a situation there where that could have definitely gone the wrong direction pretty quick. <laughs> and you thankfully refused. Yeah. And and I remember people were like, well, he lost. Washington was just this incompetent general because he lost so many battles. But, um, Dr. Mary Rowe, professor at the uh, University of Central Missouri, I had her for one of my classes, and she asked, you know, what is one of the biggest problems of guerrilla warfare? And I basically nailed it to a team and said that it tends to drag out and, yeah. and not have a conclusion. And she's like, exactly. Um, Washington needed to play by British rules, have a legitimate victory to boost their credibility. And she's like, when all else failed, he didn't play guerrilla tactics long enough to for his main way. But other than that, that that's kind of what happened during the Revolutionary War. So, it flawed, but interesting. Definitely. I think you can, you know, look back at all the presidents and find little little quips about them that are interesting. We're going to post uh, on the show notes a list of some obscure facts that we found. We're, you know, with how many presidents there are, we don't have time to talk about all of them, so feel free to read that and some interesting stuff there. I, I doubt that Bill Clinton's superpowers involving a cigar are involved at all. <laughs> now, let me see what they say about Clinton real quick. Roll down here. Oh, dear God. Let's see. I wonder if they mention anything about Taft having to have a custom bathtub built. Okay, so this is so huge. This is literally the the entry they have on Clinton. This shows how little, like little we mysteries we have of him, considering everything's out in the open with him. It wasn't just Clinton's southern charm that did it for the ladies. His face is so symmetrical, an important component of human attractiveness that he ranked in facial symmetry alongside male models. <laughs> All right, there we well, go. That's uh the most notable thing about Clinton, apparently, according to this list. <laughs> oh. So, and I, I like the whole Taft and the custom bathtub thing, too. Now, George Bush, though, was the captain of the male cheerleading team in his high school, so keep that in mind. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh that, that's, a, that's, just, that's just beautiful. <laughs> so, who, who do you think is your most... Who, which presidential fa- figure, founding father figure, do you find most interesting? Let us know on thenextreport.com, where we have all sorts of social networking links in our sidebar, uh, 660-474-0345, if you want to leave us a message and be heard on another episode of the podcast. Entertain yourself, educate yourself, and empower yourself, and remember... Everybody in the Oval Office is just weird. It's just, <laughs> just weird. They're just human. And Abraham Lincoln is a real American. <laughs> Rips t-shirt on. <laughs> but we'll see you next time. See you. Bye. <laughs>